0: Welcome to a Rocky Start Podcast, I'm Brian Argot. On a Rocky Start Podcast, I talk sports with the guests, but we also do much more than that. We also get into the guest's background story, or Rocky Start that is, because we all have a Rocky Start in life. Today's guest is Daniel Sampio. He works as a sports producer over at Spotify where he's been working for the past year. He also has worked in the sports industry for over 18 years, starting off at CBS back in the day. He's also worked at Sirius XM Radio and ESPN. We dive into how it is to start off in the sports industry as well as networking and connecting with other professionals and what it's like during a COVID environment. He also gives us a deep dive on what it's like to work at such a young company and spotify where they're growing their sports media he also goes into how sports has helped him through some difficult times when he was going through his divorce but before we get started here is a message from my very first sponsor are you an athlete who has had a hard time finding clothes that fit right muscular men have very few options in clothing brands especially when it's time to dress up and look nice atlas menswear has the perfect solution for you with innovative clothing made specifically for athletic and muscular men you'll look good and feel great try their competitive series button up shirt with athletic stretch room for your chest and a flattering taper to your waist go to atlasmenswear.com and use promo code rocky start for 20 percent off your entire order and here we go on this next rocky start you went to the University of Illinois.
1: Yeah, Illinois Chicago. So the it's kind of the sister campus, if you will, in in downtown.
0: Oh, nice, nice. What uh, you you started off in the industry working for CBS. How how was that uh, how was that starting out in the industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was lucky in the sense that I got an internship at the Score in Chicago, which is owned uh, by CBS Radio, and. Um, I applied for a couple of internships at radio stations and got a couple of callbacks. But one, the score in particular, I knew one of the hosts there's son. And now I did not let anyone know that when I applied. But what ended up happening was the the uh, sports director at the time, Mike Alzamora, he. He's like, wait, this kid is from Mokina? Like, so is Terry he who's a host on The Score. And he's like, do you know this kid? And he's like, oh, yeah, my son drives to school, and it's a good kid. Hire him. So that's kind of <laughs> how I got my internship. Nice. <laughs> and uh, and then from there, I was fortunate enough to get hired as a part-time producer and kind of worked, worked my way up the ranks there.
0: Nice. Do you have any advice for anybody looking for internships right now during COVID or after?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it's an incredible, uh, incredible challenge. I think that the more that I mean, it, it's a little cliched, but you know, those connections matter. And I think probably more than anything else, you never know who knows someone. And sure. so never assume that a person doesn't have a connection uh, because, and, and that whether it's in the industry or, you know outside of the industry who knows you know, you know the, the tax guy might do attack the taxes for somebody who's in the industry you just don't sure. know so like having those conversations and being very open to uh, exploring the possible connections i think are important sometimes it's easy to kind of get you know myopic in that outlook and like oh they won't know anybody you'd be surprised
0: what do you think is one of the biggest uh, negative traits someone would have looking for a internship
1: well i mean i think that in general it's just the finding the right balance between you know being confident but um you know displaying kind of a uh yeah an, an overly inflated ego around kind of i've got it all figured out right, right. It's, you want you, know, you want to be confident and i think that that is important. And, uh, you know, people should believe in their themselves and their ability. But, um, you know, again, it feels a little cliched, but the learning never stops. I mean, I, I learn all the time. I mean, I had not been I'd mainly been in the radio business until November of last year when I started work at Spotify. So there was a lot to learn for me and it was right, yeah. not an easy process. So, you know, kind of understanding that there's a lot to learn. And, you know, just finding that right balance between, you know, being confident, but being open to
0: learning. Nice. I want to talk about your transition to Spotify a little later, but uh, was there ever a defining moment in your life where sp- sports had helped you certain those, during those rocky times?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that um, probably first and foremost, during my divorce. I, I divorced, unfortunately. And and during that time was kind of the, yeah, the Blackhawks run to their first Stanley Cup and kind of the new in 2010. And yeah, the new version of the Blackhawks that won, you know, three Stanley Cups. And so it was a wonderful uh, distraction to kind of be there. I went to every game. Uh, you know, I at the time worked at WGN which was the rights holder for the Blackhawks. So I kind of ran their broadcast. So I had access to the games and was able to, after they won, see the Stanley Cup a couple of times and hang out with some of the players and that sort of thing. And that really was helpful because it gave me a joy that, you know, was pretty tough to connect to (laughs) outside (laughs) of uh, with that, with everything that was going on. So that was that's one that definitely stands out for me and the ability to share that with family because i uh, had tickets to every game in the playoffs and i would bring my nephew or my brother or you know my younger brother my older brother my dad i brought my best friends i brought different people to kind of experience this uh yeah you know, this run to the stanley cup so that was that was pretty cool
0: no i try that i find that truly fascinating i know like um, my girlfriend's going through a divorce and so I've seen her process and it's been, you know, hard at times. And sometimes, you know, it's like about communication and relationships. And yeah. I mean, you kind of hitting home for what you said, like sports brought that out and you were able to spend time with family that matters the most. It's like, it's yeah. really, truly incredible.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool to, you know, and, and I would lean down on them a lot during that time. So I also felt it was a good way to, thank them It's like hey we're going to the stanley cup finals <laughs> you're going for free it's going to be awesome they're like what so uh yeah it was a good way to thank them for the support and love that that they shared and helped me kind of move through that
0: that's, that's a truly an incredible story when you uh after you worked at cbs you you uh later went to work for espn or was that what was that moment like yeah, it's interesting
1: because um I had never, you know, pretty I kind of came to working at ESPN later in my career and I've had some opportunities in the past and I wasn't incredibly interested in moving to Bristol, Connecticut. So <laughs> I'm like eh, I don't know. Um and I had a lot of good relationships there, but to finally kind of be there, um, it was cool. Like I I, I candidly I wasn't as like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, kind of me- as mesmerized by it as some people are, mainly just because I've been in the industry for a while. So it's not like I'm a 22-year-old kid getting that shot, right? Like, So right. I had a little bit more uh, seasoning and kind of knew the business a little bit more and the good and the bad of it. So that being said, I mean, I was thrilled to get a chance to move. I mean, I moved to L.A. to run the... ESPN owned an operated station so that was awesome like I was super excited to move to LA I'd never lived on the west coast before it was a totally different kind of world to me that I'd always had interest in so you know to kind of be a part of that and see just how much so you know I lived in New York for five years and saw how much that is kind of a hub but LA is a hub in a different way, but, you know, you just meet so many people and you make so many new connections. I mean, I, in this almost, I guess I've been here for four years now. Um, I've just met so many interesting people along the way here in LA that it's, it's, it's been great.
0: What has been your favorite part about LA?
1: I mean, the weather you can't go wrong i know everyone
0: (laughs) says chicago weather
1: (laughs) right because i mean i guess maybe other people who lived here but like i trudged through every chicago winter you know until (laughs) i was whatever well into my 20s and i went to school downtown i used to take the train walking you know and i you know i wasn't taking a a taxi from the train station to school no matter what the weather was i was walking i didn't have any money so i'm like that yeah i just i do not miss the cold i feel like i've done my time it's all good you know i lived in new york it's you know it's not as cold but cold enough some of the most snow i've ever seen is the short time i live in dc it snowed 27 inches in a day and a half and like i will never forget that so the fact that every day i can kind of go outside and enjoy yourself for the most part except for when there's like a wildfire or something near you so there are some There are some negatives to it, but the weather is definitely, uh, you know, it definitely stands out to me.
0: Yeah. We, we recently had some wildfires here and uh, that was a little intense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's one I had not experienced um, until I moved here with the whole concept of wildfires.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think not not great. I think since I've lived here, that's been, this has actually been the worst I've seen the wildfires here in LA. Like uh, as far as like air quality and like, how many of there have been, it's been pretty um, remarkable in a a sense.
1: Yeah, I know. And I feel, you know, you just, you have compassion for people who have to uproot, move. And, you know, we were close to one a few years back, but we never actually had to evacuate, but you know, it's not, you know, having to leave your house and kind of go somewhere else, especially right now in Northern California with the fires that are going on there. It's just, it's tough. And you kind of, you know, you're adding a little insult to injury there based on what's been going on with COVID and everything. So I, I have a lot of compassion.
0: Yeah. And speaking of COVID, how do you feel about sports returning uh, now with during COVID?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, listen, it's been nice to have it for sure. You know, I think that it's, um, you know, I missed it. Um, I think that certain leagues have handled it better than others, certainly. And, uh, you know, and, you know, realistically it was always going to be a bit of a learning process uh, for all these leagues. And you know, got to give a lot of credit to what the NHL and the NBA have pulled off, you know, in the bubble, they certainly seem to have, you know, put the right protocols in place. We knew that baseball in a bubble was not going to be possible or just see, you know, they thought they talked about it, but it kind of became a difficulty. So, you know, you're really, it, that you kind of knew was going to be challenging and i mean when it's all said and done i don't want to see another person get it or die from it so if that meant that we couldn't play sports for a year or two then that's you know that's what it means i mean obviously it hasn't been the case in general with sports i mean obviously you're talking about college football being pushed back and like you know I, i get kids want to play and they they want that it's, it's bigger than that. And that's unfortunate, but the reality is like, I don't want a single person to get or die of COVID. So whatever we need to do to make that happen is what we've got to do. And that probably involves more sacrifice than, you know, a lot of people would love to make, including myself, but just the reality.
0: Right. Yeah. I I think for, You know, of course, safety is always first. I I would say that uh, most of the sports have done a great job. I think like the first week of baseball was like, oh, wow. okay, maybe this is going to cancel the season. But I think they've themselves, them themselves have done a great job. The NBA has done outstanding. I mean, they haven't had any outbreaks. Same with the NHL. Mm -hmm. What what do you think about all that?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, you've got to um, you've got to give credit to the amount of work put in by some of the leagues to kind of create the best protocols possible. You know, in a time where I mean listen, yeah, I don't mean to get overly political, but in a time where it's been a challenge from our for our federal government to have things and certainly seem to have a a meaningful protocol. You know, these leagues in general have done a pretty good job. I mean baseball, you're right, it was it was always going to be tricky and it still could be. I, I do think that what's been helpful is once you kind of see the error in your ways, correcting them as much as you can. And I do think that baseball has done that, right? Where the, both the players and the league is going like, okay, we can't do these sorts of things. We gotta be smarter about these sorts of things. And, and that has, you've seen a reflection in that, you know, you're still getting games that are postponed, but yeah, it's gonna happen no matter, even if you take all the precautions, it's tough whenever you're getting on an airplane, going to a different city, to kind of avoid it completely. So it's just nice that it seems like it's been taken more seriously as the season has yeah. gone on.
0: No. And I, I do love that. And I think the, like you mentioned the airlines, I think the airlines have done a tremendous job really stepping up how, you know, they've enforced and they've been, you know, they have not backed down from it. You know, they're taking it and, you know, trying to work with everything they got. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think, it's tough. I mean, that's the, probably the industry that's going to get the most, uh, you know, some of the the hardest hit uh, economically. I mean, you did just talk. I saw today American Airlines. I think it was, or, you know, talking about laying off a bunch of people. Um, yeah, it was yeah, like over
0: nineteen thousand workers yeah, or something like that.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, it's. I think that they have done. I mean, what I'm hopeful is that if things can return to some semblance of normal, um, whenever that is that, you know, there'll be some good lessons learned on the airline side as well about how to do more to protect passengers and, you know, have the sort of environment that, you know, people can you know, avoid con- you know contracting stuff. You know, hopefully there'll be some good lessons learned there, but I wish that those lessons didn't, have to come at the expense of people's jobs and their livelihoods and at some in some instances of their lives i mean that's that's the sad part for sure
0: right yeah it's it's there are the next six months two years definitely uh all gonna be learning curves and you know just i guess patience is the word that we're looking for yeah it's, we're asking people to be patient for everything you know
1: yeah and that's a tough one for us you know i think just in general we love our you know we want it now our attention spans spans are short you know we're all a little guilty of that no matter what so yeah. that's that's a
0: challenge te- technology is <laughs> brought that yeah. to the brink <laughs> oh my
1: god it's unbelievable <laughs> i mean i i tell my daughter i have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son but i tell my six-year-old daughter like when i grew up there was no internet there were no cell phones you know there's like all this stuff that you take like you can pause the show and then come back to it like uh yeah i'm 43 years old didn't exist like if you missed it you missed it and you had to get the vcr tape in there to record it as quick as you can and you know i know it sounds i really do sound like an old man here but um you know i think that the impact of um the impact of technology on people uh yeah there will be there's been many studies and there will continue to be i can only imagine because even on you know like twitter or instagram or whatever like it's i feel like it's a place where the worst of people can more easily come out and you know i'm not breaking any news here but you know confronting somebody over a computer is a lot easier than confronting somebody in person. And, you know, everybody feels like they can, they should have an opinion on something and then they, you know, they can be all worked up about it. And and I have my moments of feeling that way, but then I don't, you know, I always am like, okay, deep breath. I'm not going to react to this. Right. Like where, you know, just that immediacy of like get on there and tell them they're the worst in the world. Go. It's, it's tough.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, our president could take a um, page out of that book.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon as far as his approach. I think the only thing we'll have to change would be an election. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't think he has any intention on changing.
0: No, it's, it's crazy with the amount of, you know, just instantly all that power, you know, the people, just the urge to react to everything. You know, like you like we mentioned earlier, you know, patience would be a – it's just a huge virtue if you just sit back and think, like, do I really need all these people responding to me or do I really need to put my two cents in something that doesn't really matter or change something? Yeah, I mean,
1: you do have to kind of pick your spots. I mean, there's certain things like, you know, when something like the Black Lives Matter movement comes to, you know, a head like it has – Okay, I think that there's a little bit more of a understanding of speaking out and sharing your truth and and learning, you know, especially for me being a white guy. Like I got a lot to learn, a ton to learn. And, you know, uh, and I still kind of fail at that at times. But like, yes, there's some moments, but it's like other times just taking, you know, like sports is different, right? Like you react to sports. I mean, I've reacted to sports and overreacted to sports. Of course, that's <laughs> right. kind of the nature of sports. You know, oh, they should fire at these socks, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> you know, when it's all said and done, it's like, it's sports, you know, we're kind of, kind of the nature of it. But when it, you know, when that kind of comes to, you know, like, right. oh, somebody posted a picture of their kid and they weren't strapped in the exact right way. Let's shame them until they feel as horrible as they possibly can. It's like, really? Like, stop. Like, it's not like, you know, the kid isn't dangling from a, you know, balcony for crying out loud. They're like, yeah, maybe there's a better way to be strapped in, but it's not like,
0: you know, it's not life or death.
1: Yeah. For the most part, it's not like they're acting like it is. And you know, Oh, how terrible. Or even if you make a mistake, then help that person. Don't like you're a terrible mom. No, it's like, Hey, you know, I noticed this you know, there might be a better way to do it. Here's what I've learned. That, like, why can't you have that conversation as opposed to like, go to hell. You're the worst mom ever.
0: Yeah. I feel like everyone has a reaction like that nowadays If we can find a little bit more compassion and just, you know, yeah. this, the thought process. So we actually just process a little bit more instead of thinking like we have to react in a negative way. It would be a, you know, things would be a lot different. Like, I think, Like we mentioned earlier, social media and everything makes us, you know, feel much more empowered, you know, and yes, it's meant to be a great thing, but it it has a lot of bad mojo to it as well that it brings to us.
1: Yeah, Oh, for sure. I mean, it could be a great thing and at times it is a great thing, but um, yeah, there's like, you know, the, the other, the darker side of it is, you know, it's tough. It's tough to kind of be comfortable, I think with it overall.
0: And I think that's where we find the glory in sports is like we are able to act about, you know, about a team like, oh, man, I can't believe they made that play call or I can't. And, you know, it's like it gives us a bonding moment and it lets us sort of forget about life, you know, for a bit, you know, whether if we are, you know, had a rough day at work. It's like, oh, it's OK, because, you know, we have some sports coming on and, you know, it's like let's just take our mind off of that for a few hours Mm-hmm. yeah
1: Until, it's, like, it's there is something to be said about that and you know again it's like and all so much of it is like the spirit in which it's done right like you're doing it from a frustrated fan standpoint at times not because you really hate you know lebron james or something or whatever whoever it is right, right. like you're passionate about it and, and you know if it's kind of coming from that place it's different than like you know, there are some people who take shots at athletes that are more personal shots and just ridiculous kind of, you know, you're coming at these guys in a way that is just so stupid that, you know, just to feel <laughs> we've big. S-
0: we've seen some ridiculous shots at like guys like, um, I forgot the field goal kicker for the bears that Cody yeah, Cody the,
1: Parkey yeah. Yeah, Cody
0: Parker, yeah, against the Eagles. And, you know, that was a clear example. I'm like, he missed the field goal. And yeah, I you know tough Uh, teams happens every every sport every year all the time and you know it's the guy is gonna go home and live with his family
1: yeah i mean listen you could be frustrated by that and poke fun at it and like you know that's kind of part of the nature of being a professional athlete but like is the guy a bad human who deserves death threats and like threats against his family and stuff no of course not like if you're like you know, Cody Parkey sucks. They should have cut him, you know, 6 weeks before when he was bad. Okay. So, you know, yeah, they probably should have, but like, you know, your mom's terrible, your kids are terrible, you should leave town and, you know, die or whatever. It's like, okay. I think I think we need to tone it down about 3,000 notches
0: there. Yeah. It's like for all you for all someone knows, they just met his mom at the grocery store and she had a conversation with them. <laughs> it's like, you know, just people don't think about that kind of stuff. They just, they love to get the biggest reaction that they can out of people. And uh, and that's kind
1: of, well, it's the nature of the way things are set up, right? I mean, you know, you want that reaction, you want those likes, you want those. And I, again, I get it. I'm guilty of it at, at times too. Like I'm a little bit, I try to be more discerning about what I post on social media, but but I get it. Like, of course, it feels great to have people like your stuff and respond to it, ideally in a, in a positive way. But I think that it's the psychology around how that dominates thinking kind of on a day by day and minute by minute basis, I think, is part of the, a, a big problem because, you know, it can't. Yeah, you know, it, it's stressful to exist that way. Yeah.
0: And I think athletes have experienced that as well when they get signed and they, you know, they go from maybe the small town school to, you know, in, straight into the NFL. And they might be a star athlete or, you know, same with basketball or baseball, but like, you know, their head is a lot bigger than what they are, than what they um, could put out there on the field or on the court. And, you know, then that could just be like a crash landing or they can embrace it, you know? Yeah. because
1: No, uh, I- Hundred percent, like hundred percent.
0: Yeah, we, we seen we seen all that. Now, after after working for ESPN for some time, you went over like we mentioned to Spotify earlier last November, and you know it, Spotify is doing some really interesting stuff. I, I'm a stock, I'm a stocker. Uh, <laughs> I own their stock, so I I've, uh, lo- I've loved the uh, the way the markets react yeah. to them, and yeah. I think they're doing great things.
1: Well, certainly been doing well. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. I bought it like right when COVID had crashed us. So I've been, I've been mm-hmm. definitely watching how they've uh, transitioned because I love it. I love that they're getting into podcasting. Um, it's interesting to see where it goes because you know podcasting is a free platform; anyone can make a podcast. But now it's gonna be interesting to see what Spotify is doing, and they're going from music to sports now. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you have uh, any reactions for us or any insights? There? Yeah,
1: I listen. I think that you know they bought. The Ringer, which yeah. has kind of become that de facto sports department. And I think that it makes a lot of sense to kind of develop. You know, I think that part of me being hired on was to kind of help start to develop that that sports yeah. content. But And they bought The Ringer, which kind of then exists, like all that sports content existed, or a lot of it. But. So, like for me, I've transitioned a little bit more into stuff that, is not as a ringer focused like gaming and esports being a good good example of that um so it's been kind of fun to do some things that i have not normally done and kind of cover some areas that i not have not normally covered uh, you know in in that process but you know we know how you know how passionate people are about sports and so it makes sense to be in that space in a more meaningful way, um, you know. And, and I know Spotify—they want to be in the audio business in a meaningful way, in the podcasting business in a meaningful way across every, you know, category. And I think that sports was one that they were looking to try and build out, but they kind of got that instant credibility when when they brought the ringer on board.
0: Yeah, I remember I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast when he announced that they were going to the Ringer. I was like, that was when instantly I went to go buy their stock. I was <laughs> like, okay, they're doing some great things because they had, they had bought Anchor uh, probably yep. I think it was about a year and a half or two years before. I would watched that. I had I had uh, been using Anchor for about four four years on and off, but then I saw what they did to the platform and I thought they did a tremendous job with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they bought you know Gimlet. Yeah. Paths, you know, they've definitely made their inroads with different companies, that I think, have a lot to bring to the table. So and then obviously developing originals the way that they are, too. Um, you know, it's it's cool. I mean, it's a it's a cool place to be right now. There's a lot of creative juices flowing and a lot of ideas around how to make. Yeah it you know, makes Spotify that one-stop shop for all things audio. So it's kind of, it's really cool to be a part of.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it is phenomenal what they're creating and uh, definitely with the, the transaction of the buying the ringer, where do where do you kind of see that going in the future?
1: Yeah. I think it's only going to grow. I mean, I think that the ringer is going to continue to have more opportunities to, you know, build out their programming with with the support of kind of this that with that spotify muscle behind it now so i think there's definitely more coming to the platform and it's not to say that they weren't incredibly successful before because they were and and bill is awesome and you know just a, a really smart guy and that whole staff is but you know when you kind of add the muscle of spotify behind you now you're you're able to do that much more and you got more resources. Right. And so, you know, I think that the ringer, you know, it's, it has done a great job growing. I think that that growth is going to be accelerated significantly because they're now part of Spotify.
0: Yeah. they were, they have a terrific platform. I've, um, Bill, Bill Simmons has been someone who I've, I've, uh, admired from afar, you know, great in podcasting. Um, And then kind of watching them go to that, it's like, and the the founder of the founder of Spotify, I forget his name. I um, Daniel Eck. Yeah, Daniel Ek. Heard yeah. him on an interview, I think about two years ago now. He was on a another podcast I know is Smart Passive Income, but yeah, he was. His story is truly incredible.
1: It really is. It really is, and he's. Uh, yeah, I've got a chance to see some. You know, obviously he, he does some live stuff with employees and he's really a thoughtful guy and i think that you know above and beyond anything else it just really makes you appreciate the company because it does start at the top i know people say that but sometimes don't you know mean it but Mm -hmm. with him uh it really does like he is just a super thoughtful person uh, in everything that he does around the company and you know with the employees
0: yeah. And he's very charismatic. That's all you like. When you hear the him interview, it's just charismatic, just, you yeah. know, humble beginnings and he knows it and it takes yep. awareness for that.
1: Totally. I mean, he, and, and, you know, I mean, listen, there's are mistakes made sometimes. Sure. Um, that's always gonna, you know, always going to happen. But yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah, I know, maybe it's not like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but the reality for me is like, I, I really think highly of him and the company as a whole, which is a great kind of feeling to have because I, you know, I've had that sometimes and have not had that feeling <laughs> sometimes. So uh, <laughs> you, I nice mean, you,
0: you've it. worked, you've worked for uh, two big companies, CBS, ESPN. You're no stranger to how big companies operate, you know, in yeah. sports. And you're, I think what's great for you and your opportunity is like, you know, you're actually at ground zero and you're, Building it up. You know, you're, you're a part of that.
1: Yeah, that's something that I value a lot um, is the ability to have a say in kind of how things get developed, what kind of content gets developed, and how we do that. Uh, and there's a lot, it's cool because there's it's just a very open environment to share those thoughts and to um, kind of explore them. So I, you know, I feel like. A lot of companies talk about that idea, but right. don't necessarily, uh, pre, you know, execute it. Um, and where I feel like here, there's a lot more of talking and executing that are happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, giving giving Joe Rogan what they give him. My, everything is everything is full steam ahead there.
1: <laughs> Sorry, my son is breaking breaking into my
0: all uh, right, buddy. Fine. We have a special we have a special guest on the show. Yeah, oh boy, he'll talk your ear off.
1: Be careful! Yeah. Yeah. He'll have his own podcast soon enough.
0: Yeah, I know, right? guy, like, uh, he's gonna be your next your next intern. Yeah, there, probably. Literally.
1: Yeah, at the age of five, I would not be uh, not be not be surprised. He loves. The, he's the a way, clown.
0: The white kids are on TikTok now. It's uh...
1: oh, that's the place to be. I think I made more yeah, TikTok right. in my life, and I'm like, ah, I don't think this is for me. This doesn't feel like it's for me, but, um, but I at least got to be dangerous. know enough to be dangerous. Right. Uh, That's
0: uh, you. You've made one more than I have.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. I just try to know about it, but uh, yeah, there's no sense in having me uh, doing a lot on that platform. No one's going to be watching that.
0: (laughs) It's always going to be curious, especially with where you're, you're at in your industry
1: yeah for sure
0: for uh so you, you know as, growing up in Chicago are you everything Chicago like as far as Bears fan what are you Cubs? yeah like
1: Bears Bulls Blackhawks Cubs um you know I grew up during the Jordan era so of course uh, it's been a tough road since then but um uh but yeah kind of all things You know, all things Chicago sports, I've got a special place in my heart for the Detroit Tigers. You know, I I worked in Detroit for a while and ran the Tigers radio network, and and there's a lot of good people there. So I I definitely have a special place in my heart for the Tigers. But, um, yeah, I'm all in on Chicago.
0: You know, Detroit Tigers, they made a great bet on when they traded for Miguel Cabrera and they basically mm-hmm. give up nothing for him. I was like I was all in cuz he was one of my favorite players growing up as a baseball fan. Uh, yeah, I was like man, just what a what a what a steal they got and you know. Yeah, uh, that worked out. I mean, closed. they weren't
1: able to they weren't able to win that World Series and they probably should have won, certainly the first one. I was there for it, uh, the one against that bad Cardinals team that ended up, you yeah. know. Winning uh, that yeah. series in five in two thousand six, but that's probably one they should have won. But yeah, they they had some good shots at it. That's that's for sure. And he's you know he's a Hall of Famer, and it's, a, it's amazing that he's still there. I mean, I saw him the Cubs yeah. are playing the Tigers now. And I was watching a game last night, and it was just weird to see him, especially considering like everybody else is gone <laughs> but him. <you> know. <laughs> yeah, so he- one last man standing.
0: I think he has about three years left on that contract. It's going to be a going to be a long road for the t- contract for uh, the Tigers. But.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we've seen a lot of those, certainly in baseball. Yeah. Those, those deals where guys come limping out to home home plate on their last legs still making $30 million a year. Yeah, so. he,
0: that's yeah, what he's saying. He's like, I'm earning my $35 million. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, must be nice.
0: Yeah, he, he's... Uh, that that tiger team has been incredible. I mean, even your your Cubs, you know, man, they're uh, they're pulling on strong, and
1: yeah, yeah, they're good. I mean, they, um, uh, yeah, they, they won. We won our World Series, so I feel very good about that, and it makes things a little bit more. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: No matter what. Did you, what. Ex-
0: Did you what? expect them to win that year in 2016?
1: Uh, you know. I don't know what I expected. I will say this. I think that and I talked to a friend of mine who's a big Red Sox fan and kind of had a similar experience. What one thing that I regret is not fully enjoying the whole process. Like it was so stressful to me. Um, Like I remember everything. I watch every game, every moment of all the games and you know I, I've probably watched the YouTube highlights 150 times but it was so stressful for me that when they actually won the World Series I felt more relief than joy I was just like oh my god <laughs> like we won like I just I couldn't deal with like another year of disappointment especially with all the stuff that happened in game seven and so um, I look forward to the potential opportunity someday to Go through it again because I think I would do it differently and try to enjoy it a little bit more uh, than I did the first time because uh, I just like so worked up about about the whole thing. But but you never expect them to win. To be honest with you, right. <laughs> anybody <laughs> any Cubs fan I, who's told you that before 2006 that uh, uh, yeah that they or 2016 that you you expect them they expect them to win they're lying to you
0: so don't believe them. I mean, going going into that year, I mean. Uh, you know, the, just the talent on the team. I mean, Chris Bryant, there was – you know, Scott Boris was like, oh, he deserves to play, and he, he did deserve to play. I mean, he was he the talented, most talented players in baseball at the time. And, uh, you know, man, it was just a – it was fun watching that team. Just It just seemed like everybody they were calling up, man, was just you – know,
1: Yeah, it all, it all worked out. By the way, Cabrera has five years left on that, uh, uh, or four years left on that deal. I think he's – yeah, I think it's four years left.
0: Got it. Okay. I thought I yeah. thought it was three years after this year. Whew.
1: Yeah, really, he's, he's yeah. going to be making thirty between thirty and thirty-two million dollars. I was twenty twenty-four.
0: I was surprised they gave him that deal. I mean, I I love Miguel Cabrera, but you know, I just thought after like learning from, I thought every team would learn after the A-Rod contract when you know mm, when apparently not.
1: Apparently no. not.
0: No, um, I mean, the Dodgers gave Mookie Betts the money. Yeah, well, at least his they money. gave him...
1: You know, remember, they gave Cabrera this money what, when he was... I mean, 32 uh, or 33. Yeah, like, that's... It's a little different than giving Mookie Betts all that money at whatever he is. Is he 28, I think? 27 or, or 28, yeah. 27, yeah. That's, uh, it's a little bit different, but, yeah, it's right. It's crazy.
0: No, it, it, is, it is nuts, but... It's they're paying him for past performance and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I I am glad that Miguel Cabrera has his ring because I'd be, a uh, disappointed if he didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, I know he got his. I think he was his second year in the league when the Marlins won that. Yeah, yeah. Ring.
1: It seems like a million years ago, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> they've had uh, their share of sure bad seasons. Oh,
1: that's for sure. Yeah.
0: It, it's all interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, is there, is there anything else that you'd like to say that you haven't already said?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think just in general, I think that, um, you know, if there's ever kind of a sort a piece of advice that I would give to anybody to be, you know, be very aware of your surroundings, you know, be read the room, notice people, notice kind of who the, you know, I always kind of tell people when you walk into a room, you notice who is getting attention and why and, you know, should you be connecting with that person, you know, notice what's going on around you, because I do feel like there's a lot of times where those opportunities are missed, just because we become so self absorbed. And it's something that has helped me in my career to kind of walk in and go, okay, you know, and I could be shy around a group of people for sure. But Getting like, okay, I should go talk to this person or this is kind of what's going on here. Here's, even if I don't know a lot of people, I think by being aware of your surroundings, you can very quickly figure out who you should be talking to, right? And right. Like just being aware of that is important because sometimes we, and I'm guilty of it too, we think we're the most important thing in the world, right? And right. yeah, so that's kind of a big, I think, piece of advice that I would give, it, especially in this industry where, those connections are, you know, they're what matter in trying to, you know, have a lot you know, talent does matter and there's a lot of things that matter obviously, but having those connections go a long way to making that journey to wherever you want to get to a lot easier.
0: And especially during these times, connections are everything. No
1: no doubt. You know, especially during these times because that's when you can lean on them the most, right. Is something, you know, during a time like that, so if you have them, establish that's where they all, they all come into play.